0: Hi, I'm Madonna. I'm your worst
1: nightmare to rule the world. Why don't you show them what you do, honey? You've never had more fun with anyone
0: else. People, people, we got to move on to the next song. I'm sweet and I'm a bitch, you know what I mean? And that's always been the way it is. I'm, I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm waiting. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. Hey, everybody. It's Stefan.
1: Hey, guys. It's Tony. And uh, according to Madonna, the Immaculate Collection is 30 years old. She won't won't stop
0: talking about it. Yes, it it is. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Today, we are joined by a very fine gentleman named Sebastian Lacaz. Sebastian, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. I love being called a fine gentleman. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not very many people get that distinction, so uh, yeah, I've, no one on the podcast
2: has ever been. Described I don't think that so. Way. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. It's actually
0: that's. Um, I we're switching it up, uh, yeah. Sebastian. How is your pandemic treating you?
2: Honestly, it has been quite um, an interesting journey in the sense of uh, I've been very creative and I've just sort of I've been one of those people that have gone the. Root of, like, self-reflection and self-examination and creativity. So that mm. has really been my pandemic. So it's it's been kind of magical, I have to say.
1: Mm. I like that. Yeah, I mm. like it too. Everyone I know sees just getting naked online, so this is... Yeah,
0: you know. Sebastian's done a little <laughs> bit of that. I think I've seen But you know what I mean, you I've know? I've seen some Sebastian yeah. shirtlessness on, on Instagram. I have, I have a lot of oh, a lot sure. of
1: respect for people that are, you know, being creative and just taking it to the next level during this time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a it really was it is a big opportunity for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tony, can you give Sebastian's bio for all the fine listeners out there?
1: Um, you mean they don't already know? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Sebastian Lacaz is a director, writer, editor, podcaster, and performer. He's been on Broadway in shows like Chicago, Once Upon a Mattress, Minelli on Minelli. He was part of the original cast of the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway in 2000, 2002, which I saw with Luke Perry. It was great. And... So was Sebastian. He's also <laughs> appeared on Orange is a New Black, wrote, directed, and started an award-winning web series titled Hustling. And he just wrapped up the first season of his narrative podcast about getting your shit together, titled Chasing Happy. Uh, make a note. I need to listen to that. And also, he happened to dance alongside Madonna in 1995 at the Storied Brit Awards performance of Bedtime Story. Welcome.
0: Ooh la la. Love yeah, it, love it. I'm looking forward to getting into that one, because I know that's like... Madonna folklore, you know? Right. It's so obscure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and everyone has a memory of that performance. It made everyone's heads explode, you know?
0: So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into that. But before we do, Mm -hmm. just wanted to do a little bit of this week in Chicone because there was a a couple little things that that happened. Firstly, we saw Madonna celebrating that Biden was named president-elect. Did you celebrate at all, Sebastian?
2: I, I... I've worked out in my. Apartment. <laughs> I mean, I did celebrate. I, w- I mean, how could you, you weren't not? part of the
0: the, the yeah. party on uh, in West Hollywood?
2: Oh well, actually, I I did go out on Saturday night with a, with a friend of mine just to to get out there and like see how, the energy. It was pretty amazing and pretty incredible, and just people just were just so relieved and so um, just wanted to celebrate and let mm-hmm. off some steam. It was pretty exciting.
1: Tony, you're being a bit skeptical though, yes? Well, you know, it's, I can't help but be that guy, you know? It's like that horror film, you know, where the killer is dead <laughs> and then you look at your watch and there's still 20 minutes of running time, you know? Uh-oh, something, it's not going to go good. <laughs> right. But no, right. but I'm, I'm very excited, but I'm, I am cautiously optimi- optimistic as
2: one should be. Yeah. Right. My uncle said that and I said, isn't that just skepticism?
1: <laughs> I mean, the thing is is look at the people we're dealing with, you know? know.
0: They it's I'm telling you, they're gonna be dragged out, kicking and screaming. You know, I sure. keep
1: seeing I keep seeing those Beetlejuice memes, you know, where the, the deetses move in and they're telling the ghost to get out, and that's exactly how I want it to be. Get <laughs> the fuck out of here.
0: Right. He's gonna try to burn a place down on his way out. Just I know. So oh, it, that's fine. We'll build a new one. Yeah, it'll be exactly. an interesting couple it'll it be an interesting couple of months for sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but and so as Tony mentioned. Immaculate Collection has turned 30. That's
2: so uh,
0: It's so bizarre. That was my very first CD I ever got. Oh, wow. Mm. And uh, I still have it, obviously. But it's weird to think that that collection is that old? Cause 30 seems like it's old. Yeah. Um, I don't when feel, I, I don't feel that old.
1: When I got my allowance that week, I tried, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I was three, you know? Um, <laughs> so when I got, yeah, I got my allowance that week when it came out and, uh, I was like, how do I make like, you know, how do I get the most bang for my buck? So I ended up buying the vinyl because it was a fold out. It was mm. two, re- two records. It was, mm. it was the right choice because, you know, I, I, you know, just looked at it for hours and hours. Do you still have it? Uh it's it's somewhere. It's in his storage facility. He has <laughs> a, a Madonna storage facility, no, no. and it's uh, it's somewhere. It's probably at my mother's house. But um, right. The CD I ended up getting for Christmas, and it was it, they did they used this and new engineering technology called Q Sound and new at it, the time, new at the time. Uh, Madonna was the first person to use it, and it made every song pop. Out into your headphones. I mean, if you listen to it like live, it you know it sounded like anything else. But if you heard it with headphones, it was like like three D sound. It was really cool, and I wonder if if newer pressings or digital releases of Immaculate Collection are using the Q sound technology. If anyone knows, hmm,
0: yeah, tell us. I'm curious though because she's alluded to the fact that we might be getting some goodies,
1: and I'm curious as to what those goodies might be. Well. It could New- be that that more, merch she yeah, has some, some more merch. <laughs> she loves putting thirty on stuff and selling it. Yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> Sebastian, did you listen to the Immaculate Collection when it came out?
2: Oh my gosh, I'm older than you guys, so I mean, I was a Madonna fan from day one. So first album, second album, I, True Blue, all of it. Um, even I mean, my my favorite favorite Madonna is still like the the original first madonna i think i think that classic, might you might quintessential like, classic madonna mm-hmm. classic madonna and like the club days when when her brother was dancing with her oh in, yeah mm-hmm. as a bat like that will always be sort of like my my go to nice yeah but so i was I've, i was listening to her from the age of 13 on when she good, was on the cover good, of Time magazine, you're a, you're a good man.
0: That's why you were called a fine gentleman at the start of the show. <laughs> oh well, thank you. Thank I you. knew you were.
2: So
1: let's just take it up one notch. He's a fine gentleman of distinction.
2: <laughs> <you>. Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> I need to come on this podcast more often. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I just want to give a quick shout out to
0: uh, German Rojo, aka Maverick J A One on Instagram. He, I had reached out to him because he runs a little T-shirt. Business and he actually custom made me a pink haired Madonna T shirt. It's beautiful. Wow. It's amazing. It's super soft. I absolutely love it. So, if so you, you
1: you you've you've received it. I have.
0: I'm I'm wearing it right now. It's it's I, I picked the picture. It's the, the one of her standing in front of the car with the ha- taillights lights the headlights mm-hmm. on, and the she looks gorgeous. The quality is awesome. So if you're looking for a cool custom made T shirt. Look That's him up, Maverick J A One on Instagram, and uh, yeah, send him send him
2: a request, and you'll get it. How excited right. are you guys for the movie? I'm
0: talk about being cautiously optimistic. I'm. <laughs> uh, I have hopes that the movie will be like a Rocket Man or uh, right, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, but what's I,
2: love got to do with it? Yeah, yeah, glitter. I'm, no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're a true, if you're a diehard Madonna fan, you're gonna fucking You'll love, love it. it anymore. Exactly, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I think yeah. the, mu- the which, soundtrack alone will probably be amazing.
2: Which I can't wait. I've been loving those videos on Instagram of her and Diablo oh,
0: like, yeah. in
2: the writer's room on her white sofa.
0: I, I want live that for as like uh, I want that as a reality show. Seriously,
1: <laughs> no. And you, and you guys heard that post the other day where she put the uh, the demo for burning up that no one's ever heard before. So. Well, that oh, no, gonna, no, no, that, that. was no? that
0: was out in the '90s. Tony, somebody sent that to me, and they were like, "No, this was out in the, Stephen Bray apparently released
2: oh. early Madonna
1: demos album, and mm. that was Well, okay." Yes. I'm glad you corrected me because I don't want to be corrected on mass. I was going to say, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I had, had to call you out.
0: No, if you Google it, it's on, it's on YouTube somewhere. Um, okay. I, I,
2: I, I think
1: it. I have that, that CD. It was oh, called yeah, yeah, Prima Madonna. Oh, it's but really good. I, yeah. I just haven't heard it in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so let's get to let's the man. Let's just get in there. Let's get it's, to the man of the hour. Sebastian, how did you get your start as a performer?
2: Uh, you mean like, wh- like
0: like when did, where did I start where dancing did you, where did you or start, was like my I mean, first job? Yeah, I well, don't I don't know. You tell us where did you where did you get your first start doing something artistic?
2: Oh okay. Well, okay. well I started dancing when I was six, um, and then I got my first job um, was a European bus and truck tour of West Side Story, mm. and I played Pepe and understudied Bernardo. And I quit NYU. <laughs> well, I took a leave of absence for a year to go on tour because I was a dance major at NYU. And um, then I just kept working and I never went back to school.
0: Nice. Well, yeah. hey, if you don't, you're getting the experience of life.
1: It's kind of like Madonna, true. you know? But like
0: much like Madonna. Well, she quit
1: school. My, she went to New York and then she went to Europe yeah. and then she came back and never went back oh, to school. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I see the parallels. Uh-huh. Totally. There's just one big chunk missing from my life <laughs> to continue that parallel. Going, so I went in another direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us. I mean, just not the fame and uh-huh. the, the pop icon, right? But yeah.
0: But you've been working. You've you've had lots of stuff. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Um, Tony, do you want to ask about it, or shall I?
1: Um, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do it. You just know. do it. <laughs> so famously you had the privilege to dance next to Madonna during the legendary bedtime story performance at the Brit Awards in 1995. Mm-hmm. It's the first and only time she's ever performed that song live. And we really don't get to hear too much about that performance. Um, so my question is, um, how did you get on Madonna's radar? I know that, um, Jamie King was a choreographer and I've read that, um, he knew Luca Tomasini so he brought him in. So how did you get in there?
2: Um okay, well f- first of all it wasn't Jamie King. It was oh, a it, qu- was it? it was a choreographer named Amy, Amy Tinkham. And I actually had I had had a couple um, interactions with Madonna prior. One mm-hmm. the first time was when they did I unfortunately didn't, I was in LA during the time of the girly show, but I was doing a fucking, and I actually talk about this on one of the episodes of my podcast. I was unfortunately doing a job in like South Carolina or North Carolina. It was a pageant. So I missed the auditions for girly shows. So I was never able to Ah, audition. ah. I was really bummed. But my boyfriend at the time, well, ex-boyfriend we had just broke up was Luca. We were together for... A while and we had just broken up and then he auditioned, he was you know in LA and he auditioned mm-hmm. and he got it, and that was very devastating for me. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. I actually was home. I was the only one home. We lived together in this house in Valley Village, and um he was out, and our other roommate was out, and um Uh, The call came in. It was back during when, you know, voice, we had answering machines. And so the answering machine picked up and it was the first choreographer, Keith Young, saying, and he kind of joked. He was like, listen, Luca, I'm so sorry. Like, you were so close. And And then he joked. He's like, psych, you got it. And it's just me in the house. And I don't even think the lights were on. It was like so sad, sad girl. It was like, (laughs) it was awful. So, um, and I was sleeping in the den at that point, we weren't sleeping in the same room. And so then he would, he, um, would get up and, you know, he had rehearsals. Well, as you may or may not know, they ended up letting Keith go from Mm -hmm. as first choreographer and Alex Magno came in and Alex, I had worked with Alex a lot and I always took his class and I was like one of his guys. I was like. His boy at the time. My God, everybody
0: studied with Alex. We had yeah. him on the show, and he was telling us everyone that he was like, "Oh, and this person was in my class, and Carrie Ann Inaba oh, was in my class." Oh and yeah, person. yeah. But, I was like, "Oh my God, everyone!"
2: Totally. That was I was in that that time frame with Carrie Ann and and um uh, with Alex. Well, because Carrie Ann mm-hmm. also did girly show, right. mm-hmm. so um, Alex had was up for. Chore- choreographing the girly show and he ended up not getting it, but so they went back to him. And so he had to come into rehearsals and workshop a number on the guys and Madonna was going to come in and watch it. Mm-hmm. So I was working with him, um, workshopping the number, which is La La Bonita. And, um, the night before he went in, he was like, do you want to come in and be my assistant? I was like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I went home and, Luca was up because he had to get up early and he, they had like these boxing, there was boxing moments in the show. So he had to get up early and go take boxing lessons before they rehearsed. So he was up and gone before I even was able to tell him, oh, by the way, I'm going to be at rehearsal today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how funny. So um, yeah, so I went in and um, was Alex's assistant and um, we, uh, we staged La Isla Bonita and Carrie Ann played Madonna when Madonna came in to watch. And actually, Chris Childers was injured. So I actually was one of the four guys that performed the showcase of the number while Madonna watched. And it was oh, wow. um, Carlton. No No pressure. And-
0: no pressure. Yeah, well, actually,
2: the, I didn't have any pressure. The crazy thing was, I everyone was really, really tense. I guess because the choreographer had already gotten fired, so mm. the, <laughs> it was really tense in there. And especially when she came in, everyone was like, "Oh, the energy and the whole." And when they rehearsed in a sound studio, um, and you were it, like, "I don't even go here." <laughs> I was. I was like, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it was exciting to see Madonna and everything, and I was excited to perform. You know what I mean? To like, yeah. it wasn't like I was like, and I. I workshopped the number, so I knew it better than anybody in the room.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: it wasn't like I was I was worried I was going to mess up or anything. So um, we did the, the number. I didn't really meet her then, um, or maybe someone I can't remember. But uh, we did the number, and, and we left. And um, and Chris, actually, her brother was there, and he was saying goodbye to us as we were leaving. And then he did say to me, Sebastian, why weren't you at the auditions? Hmm. And I was like, I, I didn't say I was doing this that this South Carolina pageant. I just said I was I was out of town working. <laughs> Wait,
0: can so, I ask you just for a second? Yeah. What were you doing for the South Carolina pageant? You were dancing you in the pageant? Oh, maybe he
1: doesn't <laughs>
2: want to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was a I was a dancer. They had like four saying, or a five dancer dancers. In the pageant,
0: Like carrying mm-hmm. the, the contestants around.
2: And yeah, or in the, the they did a couple of production numbers, I think, and we were dancing and then also escorting see, the girls and that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Right, right. So, gotcha. sorry. Um, I, just, I was like, "Are you wearing a sash?" What's oh I needed yeah, a visual. No.
1: no uh, yeah, I would not look good in a sash. It's not a toddlers in Tierra moment. <laughs> <Stephen>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, back to Madonna. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first um, experience, um, and then when the girly show was over, Luca and I rekindled our relationship um oh. for a moment for a brief moment and he was invited to Madonna's house for a 4th of July party and so this is when she was living in the house on in the like on the cliff that had like the striped oh the, the striped house yes mm-hmm. yeah The one that
0: caused much controversy with all of her neighbors. I think it's called
1: Castillo del
2: Lago or something next to the reservoir, right? Um, I just remember that it was, Yeah, I'm not sure where it was, but.
0: They had to put you in a car with a blindfold on and (laughs) they couldn't actually (laughs) see where you were going. I had no idea. They take it off and wow, you're at Madonna's party.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then that was the second time I met her and, um. I feel like I actually met her because I was at her house and then Luca introduced me as his boyfriend and, you know, that stuff. And actually, I had braces at the time. And the first thing she said to me when Luca was like, this is my boyfriend, Sebastian, and she was like, hi. She's like, I like your braces. Oh, interesting.
0: What were they? Were they Well, I think like- she
2: was just like, they were clear on the top, metal on the bottom. But I think what she was, I think she was just like being disarming. She was just like, yeah. she was just like saying, I, like calling a spade a spade in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was just like. And trying to like almost you. like make me almost it was like blunt, and it was very Madonna. But and it also it was like I see you, and I see you have braces, yeah. and like don't worry about it.
0: You know? She likes teeth accoutrement though. I mean, the girlfriends always has a grill or a gold True. tooth or True. something. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, she, it sounds like she's maybe jealous of your braces.
2: <laughs> I was thinking she was jealous. She, she I I want want
0: braces.
2: <laughs> I want- oh my god! <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm the reason why she had a grill. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Sebastian. I inspired
2: that. I inspired that.
0: Had we known, I'd go back in <laughs> a time machine and prevent you from going to that
1: party.
2: <laughs> wow, wow! Thanks for stealing any of my thunder. That I thanks. I appreciate it. Any of my shine.
1: Okay, so uh, to the the performance that yeah. I I've been reading in different places that Jamie
2: King was involved. So is that? Not in, yeah, not in that performance at all. So when the time came for that to come up. Um, Christopher, her brother was directing it. Amy Tinkham was choreographing Mm -hmm. and they wanted Luca. They had Luca and they wanted twin. They wanted the guys to be like twins. Right. So Luca actually was like, is the one who, um, suggested me for the job. And so I just, they just hired me. I didn't have to audition or anything. Um, and then the next thing I knew I was booked on this job and we rehearsed, uh, without Madonna for a while. Did you guys rehearse in the United States, correct? Yeah, we rehearsed um here in LA and then we flew to New York and that's when Madonna met up with us. Mm-hmm. And we rehearsed with her. And um that was pretty exciting. I mean, I still remember the moment she walked into the rehearsal studio. She was wearing it was Valentine's Day and she was wearing black fishnets, um this really tight red dress to the knee like body hugging and then oh. this like sort of black um um, harnessy sort of um, thing over the red dress, where her red boobs were sort of sticking out, and the harness mm-hmm. was like crisscrossing the boobs and stuff. And then she had on those like knee-high Chanel boots; they were clear, the mm-hmm. clear Chanel boots. And then this black and white leopard jacket over top. And you know, black, I remember that jacket, wow, black a- roots, you know, blonde mm-hmm. hair, black roots. She smelled amazing, and she passed out hand um, candied hearts, and mine said "Be true."
0: Oh, oh they don't so make, that they, they that don't moment. Go ahead.
2: They don't make them anymore.
0: No, they 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 that company went out of business, sadly. So.
2: Oh um, really? Did you
0: keep the heart, Sebastian?
2: I I didn't. I ate it. I thought that Wait. would be weird. I think <laughs> I didn't want to be like later. <laughs> I was going to say we rehearsed in New York, and actually we had to go. They wanted to get our costumes, and so we actually all piled into a town car. After a rehearsal, and went to this um, like upscale men's boutique called Charavari <clears throat> that was on. Oh, it was on the west side, right? Fifty said there was a big one on Fifty Seventh Street, mm-hmm. on the like between I don't know, sixth and seventh, or seventh and yeah, I think it was sixth and seventh. Yeah. And so obviously they all knew that she was arriving. So then I had this moment of like going to Charavari with Madonna, <clears throat> excuse me. And like shopping with her. And like, she's like, we're just going to the store. And like, you know, obviously all the the salespeople are like, you know, gawking and, and she's like holding things up to us. And like, it was crazy. And in the car over, she wanted to talk about Showgirls because I had just done Showgirls. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys know this, but she was apparently up for Crystal Connors.
1: Yeah, I remember at one oh, point geez. it was uh Madonna for Crystal Connors and Drew Barrymore as um Naomi Malone. And- oh my god, that would have been such a different that movie. That would have been in such a different movie. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't know what happened. Do you have any I background?
2: I don't I don't really. She just mentioned that she was I remember her saying she was she almost did it. I don't I don't know <laughs> what happened. That would. uh she was curious to know, she wanted to know how it went.
0: That would have mm. been epic.
2: Yeah. Wait, what
0: did you do for Showgirls?
2: I was one of the dancers. F Y
0: I, FYI listeners, Sebastian failed to send us a bio before we did this. Recap. Oh my god! My don't do that. So to I him. don't have all of the intel, so if there's surprises that come up,
2: that's why. Just... I don't know if I would have included that in my bio, though. <laughs> oh, I would.
0: Please, I'd be like first on the line, <laughs> Showgirls.
2: I actually had in,
1: I, I had a small film. role in it. Did you have? Did you have like um, lines with Kevin Stay?
2: I did. I was Sal, the straight guy. Okay. I, I had braces in that. I, can, I,
1: I know. I know exactly who you are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a
1: big, big, big. Johnny loves showgirls. He loves. Yeah. it so much. We'll, we'll
0: do like we should do like an alternate showgirls reality of like if Madonna was cast in the movie. We yeah, like yeah that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys are talking about showgirls, but I. Had a question um, about
2: the blonde. How did how was that decided? Um, I don't remember how it was decided. I just remember that they were like, "You guys are going blonde," and they sent us to uh, a hair salon, and that was the first time I ever bleached my hair blonde because mm-hmm. mm-hmm, they wanted us to be this like, you know, these like surreal looking twins.
1: Yeah, you guys look like statues. I don't know if that was what they were going for, but that's what it. You know, it looked just very like. Greek Grecian yeah um very fantasy I loved it um so my next question is that time Story was not a hit in the US at all um it didn't even crack the top 40 uh even though the video was monumental amazing it, yeah and it went up to number four in the UK singles chart so you guys went to perform this song at the Brit Awards which is like probably the biggest music event televised event in the UK so what was the reaction like to the song in the UK while you were there? If you have any recollections about that? I mean, obviously Madonna being there yeah. was huge, but you know, like yeah. specifically the song, how was it received? Because it's like nothing she's done before.
2: Yeah. I mean, as far as I can remember, I mean, and I remember literally every moment of that.
1: Mm. It was,
2: it was, um, it was phenomenal. Um, we actually, she's such a perfectionist that they actually had to hold the doors to let people in because we were still rehearsing. Mm. And she kept wanting to do it again and again. And, um, it starts off, there's like these little drums. And she was supposed to go, she was supposed to sing, get unconscious. And then they, then the drums start, but there was like this weird sort of ethereal, like soft notes musically. And then she sings that first line and then the drums start. Well, when they said, he goes, my flatmate, Madonna, and the crowd was so loud that she couldn't even hear that beginning thing and then the drums the 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 percussion just started but she mm-hmm. was really nervous about that like she just she was really really nervous about like that first sort of plucking that note out of nowhere mm-hmm. yeah and um but she was a perfectionist and they went nuts they were just the crowd was insane it was really really crazy
1: yeah i mean i i watched it I think last week, and it's you know they they now have the HD up on YouTube, but it you still can barely hear a lot of it because the crowd is just so rabid, and it's I miss those days, you know from um you know from the eighties and nineties when Madonna's performing on an award show and people are just like losing their mind because they one can't believe she's there and two can't believe what she's doing,
0: right. So, um, I always remember about that performance though. And I was going to ask you, Sebastian, was her hair getting in your face at all? Cause I, <laughs> I just kept thinking somebody needs to give that girl a headband because the hair just was like constantly flying in her face.
2: It was. Yeah. I don't, I, I think it was only really wild when she was in that fan for her. Mm-hmm. I don't re- I don't remember it really being an issue for us. What was that rig? Was it just like
1: a very simple rig? I mean, was it like a fan or like It was
0: Whitney Houston fans.
2: They were just (laughs) in the floor, you know? An
1: air tunnel from the floor? (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, I don't actually remember seeing anything. So it must have been just some sort of vent (laughs) that they had.
1: Cleverly hidden, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because if you see the performance, you can tell that she tries to center herself so it will hit her hair. And there's a couple of scenes, a couple of like just seconds where you know her hair is not moving and then she gets into it and then it starts moving
2: yeah we were on those risers so obviously it must have just been something that they had set up underneath
1: yeah you
0: guys were in a very a very confined space i always remember thinking yeah, that very I was like, narrow. just like it was like madonna's gonna be in this tiny little podium and her two dancers are just gonna dance right next to her the
1: entire time and i was like give the people some space <laughs> so um because that was not televised here in the u.s um did that come at the beginning? Did you guys open the show with that? Or is that in the middle of the show or towards the end? I
2: feel like it was t- the beginning. I feel mm. like it was towards the top, if not the first thing, I feel.
1: Yeah, I I remember being super jealous of the Brit Awards in the 90s because they were never televised in the US. But once a year, ABC would show like a greatest hits that was like 30 minutes long, late at night. And mm-hmm. I caught it like maybe three or four years in a row. And that's where I saw uh, the Madonna performance. And I was like, I was looking around the room, like, does is, is anyone else know about this? Like, what's, <laughs> what's the deal? Um, so there was also, at the time, there was a rumor, um, and I actually heard uh, Bjork talk about it in an interview not too long ago, but she said that she was invited by Madonna or Madonna's people to participate in that performance, but um, Bjork never called the phone number she was given because she said it didn't it felt set up. Do you know if this is true, or do you have any... I don't.
2: Um, yeah, I remember. I I don't recall anybody ever talking about Bjork when we were rehearsing. I don't mm-hmm. remember. You know what I mean? I don't remember that ever yeah. being a conversation. So I. Yeah, it may I'm have been sure. that
1: that had happened by the time you guys had started.
2: You know. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I yeah, yeah. I, they never mentioned anything to us. Mm-hmm. So when you
1: guys started rehearsing. Um, you guys did you use the remix from day 1 that was like the idea from the very beginning or did you guys use different types of music different versions of the song and then decide on what the final performance was going to be
2: No I think it was that version from mm-hmm. day 1 Yeah they yeah, had already was... they had already set what the what the mix was going to be I believe mm-hmm. And Junior was part of the performance from the beginning as well correct Um I he wasn't No I don't, Junior wasn't there
1: Oh, he wasn't? Because uh, I thought he was the DJ.
2: Maybe he in was the, the DJ at the Brit Awards, but maybe... Yeah, that's what I meant at the Brit Awards. Oh, but not in the performance? I don't remember anything about Junior Vasquez. The night that, was a but... blur for Sebastian. He danced, okay. and then he just, he was... Oh, then we went to accepting, Browns. Accepting, we went oh, to Brown's. yeah, what did you do
0: after the performance?
2: We went to Browns um, <clears throat> for the after party. And we had a nice little moment with Madonna before everybody got there and cheers. And this was before um, she got Avita. Uh, so she, this was the only album she didn't tour, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, right. which really is, un, you know, an unfortunate for me <laughs> because I probably I would have been involved in the tour probably. She would have brought the twins. That would have been the thing. But then she got Avita, so. She didn't tour this album, but, um, you were not but, the
0: only person disappointed with that decision, by the way. I mean, I love her in Evita, but I would have loved the bedtime story tour.
2: Well, yeah, I was an underrated, I was, underrated okay. album, I think yeah, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, but that was it. We just were at Browns, and then Luca and I sat on the sidelines and sort of like had some closure about our relationship, while we watched <laughs> Madonna like the whole room vie for like their moment with her., mm-hmm. yeah. That's a nice way to end a relationship with Madonna. (laughs) It was, it was, it was nice.
0: I mean, if you're going to end a relationship, at least, you know, being being able to remember Madonna was there for it, that's pretty good.
2: Well, we had already ended our relationship. We just had like some things we didn't really. Right. You you, know what I mean? We just had to iron some things out. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Um, Your
0: prologue, if you will. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Or our epilogue, actually. epilogue. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah.
1: So how do you come down from that high of performing with your ex-boyfriend and Madonna at the Brit Awards in London? And then you come back to the States. What's next? What happens?
2: Um, well, right after that, I went into um, the first national tour of uh, Kiss the Spider Woman. So then I went on tour um, wow. with, with Cheetah Rivera for six months. And then I went back to LA and, and just kept working. Oh my God, I'm such a a show
1: queen. I'm just like, I saw that show. I loved it. <laughs> the, I,
2: the tour though. I didn't do the Broadway. I did the, I tour. know
1: I, I saw the tour, I think in LA. I don't remember who was the spider woman, but I just, I'll never forget it. It was, I'm, I hadn't never seen a Broadway show like that. It's just, it's got so uh, many moving parts and it's.
2: If you saw the first national tour in LA, you probably saw Cheetah. She did it. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was when, cause Vanessa Williams was on Broadway at the time that Cheetah left and did the tour.
1: Yeah, I know I didn't see Vanessa Williams. I would have probably remembered that. But yeah, there was during a time when I was living in L.A. And um, my friends had like uh, subscriptions to the, you know, all the touring shows. And we went to see everything. Like, I mean, I remember that. I remember like Showboat with Ned Beatty and Cloris Leachman. You know, all those mid-90s touring extravaganzas, you know. (laughs) There was even The Wiz with Grace Jones. I mean, I'm like, I feel sad for anyone that didn't get to see that one. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, back to you. Yeah, so Sebastian,
0: <laughs> you've appeared on Broadway in a ton of shows, as well as Tony mentioned being Rocky in the uh, original Broadway cast production of Rocky Horror Show. Mm-hmm. What is, you know, in in a nutshell, what's Broadway like? You know, is 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 it is it a? It, I see a lot of people say you know eight shows a week. It's it's a rough lifestyle. Is it? Is it, I
2: mean, <laughs> um, I mean. <laughs> not really. I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, it depends on what you're doing in the show. It can be taxing on the body for sure, but and I guess you don't really have a life in the sense of like a social life because you're working every night and then you're also working on the weekend. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have your days free and you know you're working on Broadway. It was an amazing time. I loved um every show that I worked on and the people and the experiences and there's nothing like performing live on stage in a Broadway house. It's pretty magical. And you were on the cover of Time Out New York as Rocky,
0: right? For the fitness, the fitness issue, I think it was.
2: I, yeah, it was the fitness issue. Yeah, so you I had sure a little was. bit
0: of New York, a little bit of New York celebrity at the time, which has got to be fun. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun.
0: And so, a little background. Uh, Sebastian. I met Sebastian when he studied acting at a New York-based school named T. Schreiber Studio that I managed for a couple of years. It's a little tiny little studio off off Broadway. They do a couple of productions every season, and Sebastian got cast in their production of Love, Valor, Compassion, which I had to end up stage managing because the stage manager the night before they opened had to have an emergency appendectomy. And so what? me and a faculty member were like, okay, I guess we're going to stage manage now. So we, oh, helped. Shit. <laughs> we learned the cues the night before opening and then ran the show for the six weeks. Um, oh it gosh. was a great six week run. It was sold out, which I, Believe was in part due to the full frontal nudity that took place throughout the Stop show. It. That is a very well-respected <laughs> yeah. play. Yes, it, it's a it's a well-respected play. But I do believe those packed audiences of gay men from Chelsea were were not there just for theater. Um, Perhaps, Sebastian, what it's what's it like bearing it all on the stage?
2: well honestly it's it's all those clichés that you hear it is it's very um empowering empowering i can't even say the word empowering because you um you know that you have the room's attention mm-hmm. you know and um there's just something about losing your inhibitions and sort of not really giving a fuck and just sort of letting it all hang out literally that is um just very freeing and very liberating.
0: Yeah, it was. We had gotten placement in HX Magazine, which, for those of you who remember, HX Magazine was a free weekly magazine in New York City that sort of highlighted all of the wonderful things that were happening in gay New York. Wait, if what we, do you mean was? Is it no longer in existence? HX. Yeah, they closed. They, they're. I think they're down. I think they're. They're done. Oh, wow. I think HX got bought by Next, and then Next folded as well. Magazines are dead, right. Tony. They're just you know, but, Not at um, my house. <laughs> HX Magazine had reached out to us because they heard we were doing Love Valor and that you were in the show, Sebastian. And they said, do we have, do you have a press photo? And so I grabbed Sebastian and another one of the actors, Colin, and we ran out into the roof and did a quick little shirtless photo shoot that I could send over to them. (laughs) And they originally were not going to run a photo for, for our little production that could, but Mm -hmm. because it was such a good photo of Sebastian and Colin, uh, they were like, okay, we're running a photo of you guys. And so I I was, I was proud.
2: Yeah. I remember and that, that
0: photo. Actually, is, I still put that. I have that photo on my website because I. Love you that
2: photo. do? Oh my god! I love
0: that photo. It's so. I mean, it's from another lifetime ago, but
2: yeah. It's a, it's a, um, I don't know if you remember if you were even privy to any of this, but like, I sort of like t- took the reins and sort of reproduced that whole production. did you know anything about that? I tried to stay on the outskirts of any drama that was happening. Um, I mean, no, <laughs> you didn't it was, say it was uh, drama. <laughs> I didn't say it was drama. It was it was because I went to that studio because I wanted to. I, I was leaving the dance world behind and trying to move into acting. And you guys had T Schreiber had a, a season of plays, and so I knew that I had to get into a play in the city so I can invite casting directors so they could mm-hmm. you know see me acting and because they just knew me as a dancer. And so when all the um like when the production uh like plans or designs or everything came out, I don't know if you remember, but originally it kind of looked like like a unicorn had thrown up all over everything. Everything was like <laughs> rainbow. It was literally rainbow. Everything was Oh, you're rainbow. talking the set itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, produced yeah, yeah. It, not directing it. I didn't say directing it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, produced it, like the production value and everything. So I was like, this is not going to (laughs) work. I can't invite people to see this play With like, did it look like a pride float? No, well, I think
0: so. The backstory that (laughs) happened was they tried to save money on the productions that we had done uh, a lesbian play right before, so it was like a pride series that we were doing, (laughs) and so we did a a six week run of a of a show called Last Summer Bluefish Cove, and they tried to Mm -hmm. repurpose the set from there to save some costs, and it didn't work out. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, no, no.
0: So I was able to, I like... The set act- is great after after they got rid of the old one.
2: Oh, yeah. it was. Yeah, I brought in, excuse me, I brought in my friend who's like this genius in design and he designed that amazing set that had like the dock came down. There was like all these mm-hmm. doors and there was like yeah. green floors and blue skies. It was so beautiful. It actually won an It Award.
0: Yes. Oh, that's right. If you remember that. That's right. Yeah, the yeah, set
2: yeah. ended up winning an It Award. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. There was, like, all these movable cubes that you would
2: stack and become, like, tables and chairs. And Nope. Yeah, it was... That was not going to (laughs) happen. And I would change the design of the poster and the flyers and Mm -hmm, had David mm -hmm. Morgan shoot pictures for us. Yeah. But it worked. Casting directors came.
0: It was a a good show. And correct me if I'm wrong, you were in Take Me Out as well, yes?
2: Yeah. Yeah. After... Was that... I can't remember... Maybe it was after. I can't remember what what year I that was. I think
0: it might have been after T. Schreiber.
2: Yeah, um, that was, yeah, I think, yeah, because that was like two thousand and four to take me out. Mm-hmm. So I think it was before that, right? Yeah. So you T. were Schreiber completely comfortable that. with nudity by that point. By that point, yeah, but also I'm you know I, I you know, was a dancer, and we we express with our bodies. So we see our bodies very differently than, say, the, the non-dancer. You know, we sort of it's a language to us. So I had never really felt shame or fear around my body or exposing my body in that way. There was always that kind of freedom. So you know, I fortunately had that you know on my side when it when it came to to nudity on stage. And just a serious question for a second:
0: How important is it, and why is it important to showcase gay stories in theater, television, film?
2: Oh my gosh, it's it's super important because our community. Um, need to see themselves reflected. They need to see their stories being told so that they know that their lives matter and that they are allowed to exist because mm-hmm. we're still, um, you know, in many parts of the country and parts of the world, we're still fighting to be able to even exist. And there are a lot of Um, young gay people or even middle-aged or older who who still struggle. So that's why inclusion and representation is really important because stories heal and people need Mm -hmm. to see themselves to know that they are not alone and that their lives matter and that they deserve to be here. So that's why our stories are super, super important to tell. And that's really sort of the, the purpose now behind all of my work behind my Mm -hmm. short that I've done. And even my podcast is all about, um, um, opening up that dialogue. And in my podcast, I really like talk about all my dark aspects and really talk about, um, healing that stuff and, and how it, how we need to face those dark aspects and how they, how we sort of are um, um, programmed from an early age, especially when we're gay. Um, We operate from these places of shame and fear, and we're constantly trying to prove ourselves and find our worth and our value. And it, And it comes out in behaviors that sometimes are not necessarily the most healthy behaviors for us. But we're like so searching and so trying to find where we belong and trying to find meaning and trying to find um, value in our lives. And so that's why it's important to have these stories so that people know that they matter.
0: Yeah. Well, so you mentioned your podcast. Well, uh, that wasn't. I was going to bring that up in a second, but since you mentioned it, let's talk about it. Let's. So your podcast is called Chasing Happy. Um, Yeah. What was your inspiration for this 16 episode series? Your format's very different than ours. You, how do you go about crafting the episodes?
2: Um,
1: Yeah. Tell me about the format.
2: Well, honestly, guys, it kind of just it kind of developed and it kind of changes a little bit throughout. I didn't really have a plan. I knew that I wanted. To jump into this space. I saw it as an opportunity to tell stories, and I saw it as an opportunity to join the conversation about um, bringing consciousness into our lives, living more authentically. I had just come off the heels of my short, which is about a priest with HIV, and I came out in My Kickstarter video when I was raising money for that film and spoke publicly about my status for the first time in my life. And so I felt really compelled to share that story and dive deeper into all of that in my podcast. And I wasn't even sure what the format was going to be. I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. I just sort of like literally each episode unfolded as it went along. And I had this moment, um, like I sort of mentioned that the quarantine has been very. I've found a lot of solace, and I've I've grown a lot. I've been meditating probably like for four or five years now. So leading up to the quarantine, I was had kind of primed primed myself for all this isolation, and um, I had done an interview for a documentary for Showgirls. It hasn't come out yet, but they wanted some. BTS footage and I had shot a the lot Jeffrey of The Jeffrey
1: Schwartz documentary, right? I yeah, I think so. Yeah.
2: And I had shot a lot of stuff back then, so he um transferred a bunch of stuff that I had on high 8 so he could use it for the documentary. So this one one day during quarantine, I was like, "Oh, let me look at that let me look at that um footage." And so um I grabbed a glass of wine and I pulled out the footage and I watched it and it was really triggering. I just watched mm. my young self, like 23, because it just started bringing up all this stuff of like how I felt at that time and how mm. um, I just hated myself, really. And I, it was, started bringing up all this stuff. And so I went through this, this sort of um, really transcendent moment um, in my own personal life when I realized, oh, my God, you don't love your younger self. It was like, mm-hmm. I've been doing all this meditation. I had found self-love for myself. I had found acceptance for myself now. But I realized that I had to integrate that part of myself, that I had to look at that younger self and I had to accept it and I had to love it. And, um, so I, I, um, went through this exercise that I had, that I was delivered in my inbox just subsequently from Ziva meditation. It was a forgiveness ex- exercise. So I did this exercise and just all this stuff started coming up and I started realizing so many things about my past. And so eventually I was like, oh, may, this is, might be a good entry point into my podcast. So that's sort of what the first episode is about. And then as it unfolded, I was like, Oh shit, am I just going through my life? I guess Mm I am. I guess I'm just going through my life now. And so it's nonfiction and it is narrative. And I kind of go through my life and talk about what I was going through at the time and sort of like how I, how I was just really so fucked up. Um, and f- just from um, feeling no self-worth and no self-love and growing up biracial and um, growing up in an um, all-white suburban neighborhood, how that affected my mind. And tracking through all of this in my life at the same time how I've come out of it and, and um, uh, through self-reflection and self-examination how I've been able to change my life And that's what the podcast is about, and it, like I said, it tracks through my life as an artist, and um, sort of like with with uh, introspection and lessons that I've learned along the way. It's very soothing to
0: listen to. I don't know if you know that. I I had listened to uh, some of the episodes, and I was, I'm like, oh, this is. It's nice to listen to your voice.
2: (laughs) If you, (laughs) if you you don't
0: do, if you don't do any audiobook. Recordings, you should think about getting into that because, <laughs> well, it's I, funny, would cue, people, I would cue you up and listen to like you know like
2: listen to the sound yeah. of the rain. You know, like it's, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting because it it is kind of a format that has, I'm not really seeing. I mean, there are fiction podcasts and there mm-hmm. are other types of podcasts. This is this weird sort of hybrid where it's storytelling, it's narrative, but it's nonfiction, it's real life. But there's also inspiration and. Um, kind of spoken wordish. Yeah, that kind of unfolded as as the series progressed, I sort of found myself doing these sort of like spoken word openings with music. Yes. It really um transformed and sort of has become its own thing. Um yeah, I'm really I'm really happy with how it turned out and mm-hmm. people have been really the responses have been so beautiful and you know cuz it's super raw it's super honest it's super unapologetic and um yeah i just kind of expose so much like i didn't really think i was going to do that but then once i got in i just couldn't turn back yeah, yeah that's that's the best way to do podcasting
0: tony and i know all about that you just <laughs> you have an idea to do a podcast just
1: jump right in just start doing it and figure it out as you go you you can't overthink it it happens organically but yeah. you know yours is like the content is very cathartic and and it also like kind of ties it to your other film, short film project, Disciple, which features a priest kind of going through like the self-examination. He's like in a crossroads of identity and self-acceptance. It explores his HIV status. Um, tell me how that came together because um, there's so many different angles to this project. I mean, you've got Carlton Wilburn who is also like, Very spiritual, very, you know, serene. I I look to him for solace sometimes, you know. I go on Instagram and I see his live.
0: Oh, I love his Instagram. Yeah, and I I
1: just you know, he's he's such an inspiring person. But I'd love to know how you guys came together to work on this project because it you know, it it like I I said it before, it sounds really cathartic.
2: Yeah. I know and it's a crazy thing. It's like what a priest with HIV, what? Mm -hmm. Well, What's really funny is that, or just not funny, but just interesting is that I actually, it it was inspired by a monologue that I wrote like probably 15 or so years ago from this. Mm -hmm. I was taking a workshop, a workshop for actors in New York. And it was like a writing workshop for actors. And it was during the time one man shows were really popular. So it was like, oh, maybe you'll have like the beginning of a one man show and you'll be able to like, you know, create some characters. And one of the assignments was to go through media and find an article and, you know, use it for inspo for a monologue. And I was, you know, sort of, I guess, I just stumbled into this Pandora's box. I don't even know what my search was. I don't even remember how I found it, but I found all these articles about priests with HIV. And I was just like shocked Mm -hmm. and how it has been happening since the the, um, epidemic began And how the church sort of like takes care of them, but like sweeps it under the rug. And like, I was like, how do we not know about this? Mm -hmm. And it had been happening for decades. So I wrote this monologue, performed it in the class, and then it just sat on my computer for years. And then uh, during a a break at one of my jobs a couple of years ago, I was talking to a girlfriend who ended up producing it with me. And we were talking about stuff and I brought up this monologue and she said, that would make a really great short. And I go, oh, Mm. you're right, that would. So I started writing it based on that monologue. And so that's kind of where the idea started from and then everything that I've been through in my life um I infuse that into the story, and it's really about him facing some limiting beliefs about himself and he you know coming to this realization that he had you know about facing who you are you have to face who you are and stand in your truth that's kind of what the film is about and Carlton and i um i mean I've known him s- Back ever since I you know went in and was the um, assistant for that uh, with Alex Magno for the Girly mm-hmm. Show. I mean we've we haven't been close friends, but I mean we were in the same industry yeah um, for a number of years. So um, that's really it. And we would see each other at the gym or just you know whatever. And um, when I was doing hustling, I remember him wanting like maybe reaching out to me or and telling me you know just sort of like supporting the show and loving what I was doing and sort of expressing interest in working with me back then. And so when I ha- wrote this and there was one, there are two priests in it and um, two other priests other than my character, and um, I thought of him for uh, one of the priests and I just offered it to him and he came on board. Nice.
0: Okay. Well, and so you mentioned hustling. Mm-hmm. Um, for everyone out there, hustling is a Three season web series drama, um, Sebastian plays an adult film star and escort trying to figure out his life when he hits 40 years old and yeah. <laughs> begins questioning, what have I done with my life? So I, I thought it was interesting to like look at your career and see that you've sort of been questioning a lot of the same subject matter in a lot of your projects and, Mm -hmm. you know, like your podcast and hustling and, uh, disciple. Um, how did hustling come about? Did you just, were you looking to talk about that sort of industry? What was interesting about that?
2: Right. I, um, well, I had, um, just come back from a trip to LA, like my, I lived in LA and then I was back in New York and I was, um, in a really long-term relationship and I had just, um, come back from doing um playing Zach on the first national tour of a chorus line. And I wanted to um get out to LA because I had done the ABC diversity showcase in New York like the year before. Um so I wanted to like find some time to like try to be you know like in television and stuff so i came out to la for like six months and then when i and it was really inspiring and i was auditioning for tv for the first time it was really great um i didn't book anything but it was still a very inspiring trip and when i went back to new york i just felt like i wanted to i was just so energized that i was like what can i do and You know, there were web series. And so I started looking around and my boyfriend at the time had told me before, he was like, you should do a web series. But, you know, when he told me, I just wasn't ready to do it. And this time I was ready. So I knew, so I started exploring and looking at all these web series. And at the time, there were a lot of web series about out of work actors and like what it was like to be an out of work actor. And there were people doing doing it great. So I knew I wanted to do a, a web series, but I didn't want to make it about an out of work actor. And so I remember I had met these two um, porn stars when I was in L.A. just recently. Um, And they were both very different. One was younger, um, like in his early 20s. The other was like 30. And what they both shared in common is that, you know, at that time when I met them, is that they both sort of expressed that they wanted out. Mm -hmm. But they both really didn't know how to get out of the business or what they would do. So that was sort of my launching off point. Then I was like, well, it sounds kind of like it was very similar to where I was in my life. I had just turned 40. And so it is I used that as the backdrop. I made it about this guy who um, uh, he was... uh, a porn star escort who was just turning 40 and sort of trying to figure out, is there anything else I can do with my life? And I was really just starting to move into acting and like really trying to change my life. So I just really infused what I was going through into that show just under through the lens of a uh, sex worker. But it was really about someone who was trying to change their life. And um yeah. And it it kind of became just like Disciple did. It was like, is life imitating art here or is art imitating (laughs) life? It was like very, the lines were very blurred, but, um, I think the main,
0: you had some some good guests on the show. There was, uh, Ren, Stephanie, Ruben Vega, and Steven Guarino, Wilson Cruz, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, uh, and it's fun. It's, if you've not seen it, people, you can go on YouTube. Well, uh, Sebastian has a, has the link. When when you have your website launched, you can put all those links up there. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fun. It's flashy. There's lots of you do a good lap dance, Sebastian. I gotta say, I don't know what kind of homework oh. you did, but <clears throat> um, you, you, well, he was not
1: Showgirls. You,
0: well, oh, true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I was like, it, I was like, there was some there's some gratuitous nudity, which is which is always fun. A little
2: bit, yeah. Well, a little, we, a little bit. A little where
1: little can bit. we find this um, revealing web series?
2: Um, I have a YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and everything that I've ever created, except for Disciple, because it can't be out publicly because I'm submitting it to film festivals, but everything nice. is there on my cool. YouTube channel. And Sebastian, Sebastian Lacaz YouTube and, slash Sebastian Lacaz, yeah. And it goes without saying that your podcast is available
1: wherever podcasts are heard. In,
2: <laughs> indeed, yeah, it's everywhere for sure.
1: Hey, Stefan, I think it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. Tony's
0: favorite part. I think I pre-warned you, Sebastian. We do a little thing called a lightning round at the end of every program, which Uh is just meant to be quick, off the cuff, wherever you're at in your Madonna journey right now. We're just really nosy. Yeah, it's just off the top of of your head. Favorite Madonna song? Uh, Burning Up. Oh, Hmm. good good call, good call. Favorite Madonna video? Uh, Papa Don't Preach.
2: Mm-hmm. Favorite Madonna tour, um, uh, "Blonde Ambition." No doubt. Yeah. Okay. Have you hands see, did down? You see, did you see?
0: Uh, have you seen many Madonna shows, Madonna tours, or is
2: I, I actually haven't? I only saw uh, live. I've only seen um, uh, the one with the horses. Confessions. Confessions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna see a Madonna tour, that's
0: a good. That's a yeah. good tour to have seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite Madonna look, and it can be from a tour, a video, a magazine... Um, honestly, it's
2: a toss up between her early days and the blonde ambition days.
0: Are you ponytail or curly hair? Oh,
2: curly (laughs) hair. I mean, I love the ponytail. It's iconic, but there's just something about that. Those curls that get looser and looser as the show goes on that just, Uh, I'm just. They look
1: so good during the Vogue number where they're just like literally. In her face. it's the best. (laughs) It's
2: the best. I, that show at Truth or Dare, I could honestly Mm. never get tired of that. Never get tired of it.
0: It's a good, I loved being part of that era live because it was just such like, I mean, I was in high school and it was just, yeah, it was fun. And Um, she
2: changed the way people did tours. Like no one did had done a tour like that ever with like theatrical, like storytelling and narratives and themes, No, costumes. Mm -hmm. She's the one who changed the way people do tours. Now that tour changed it.
1: And yeah. we've never looked back. <laughs> I also think
2: Madonna is also
0: questioning her identity throughout life as well. It's a parallel she shares with you in your work, Sebastian. Love it, love it.
1: With lots of religious imagery. Yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. <Right. You> know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. And and some nakedness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean she she did a well, so Sebastian, before we, we let you go, what's, what's next on the horizon? What are you, other than submitting disciple to some film festivals, what are you working on?
2: Um, well, I'm, I've started um, a series based off of the podcast. It's oh, nice. um, it's not, it's more fictionalized, but it's based off of the later, the later half of, mm-hmm. of the podcast when I'm in LA. Um, so I'm writing that and I'm, just starting. I just filmed one today, but I'm starting to um, crank out some video content that sort of um, is aligned with sort of the things that I have learned at, like during Chasing Happy and sort of like inspiring sort of um, life lessons uh, that I just feel compelled to share. Oh, cool. Well, so we'll be able be- to...
1: Find all that on your YouTube channel,
2: correct? Um, yeah, I'll be putting that on my YouTube for sure.
1: Uh, will there be a season
2: two of Chasing Happy? I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, because you sort I'm,
0: of did like, you went into it with like, it's going to be 16 episodes and that's it.
2: I didn't even know it was going to be 16. It was just like, okay, I think I, as it went on, I was like, oh, maybe there's one more. Okay, I'm getting to this point. <laughs> I went until the present moment, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I caught up to where I am now in life. And so that was the end. But um, I really love the space and I love the platform. Um, So um, I'm going to think about what I can do. But um, yeah, I'm not sure yet. Well, I was going to suggest if you
0: ever run out of ideas for a podcast, it's always great. Just start bringing guests on and then you have tons
2: of stories to tell. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. This is true. But I do like the idea of like the storytelling aspect because I am a storyteller. I yeah. that that's what excites me about the space is is using it to tell stories in a, in a new in a different way.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like you're growing in your space, which is amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so we'll see. I'm 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 definitely thinking about it.
0: Nice. Well, Sebastian, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm I love being able to hear about these little bedtime story moments. Uh, me too. Bird and Wars. I love
1: going back in time. I mean, I haven't heard the name Charivari said out loud in at least 25 years. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love
2: that story. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like thanks I for having it, right? me and letting me ramble on and on.
1: Yes. Um, we loved hearing all these stories. And thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. And everyone, you know, you got to listen to this podcast. It's called Chasing Happy. And also check out. Yeah, House if you're in playing. lockdown,
0: there's plenty of Sebastian Lacaz content mm-hmm. for you to consume. There's hustling. There's podcasts. There, um, yes,
2: please. follow I know me on that the,
1: the, the Jeffrey Schwartz uh, Showgirls documentary is kind of coming out in 2021. So, oh, was it really? God, yeah, we yeah. shot
2: that so long ago. I'm, I know I'm going to hate seeing myself in that. Well, you like, know, you so. know
1: what happened is um I. That was actually supposed to come out this year and it was going to hit all of the LGBTQ um film Festival. festivals mm-hmm.
0: and Oh they're holding it because of COVID.
1: Yeah, so I mean mm. th- I, you know he I I did read something that he he wanted to like wait because he needs he needs audience Reaction. I'm like, mm, right, I, right. I, I Totally agree. You know, yeah.
0: Sebastian, I, I will go out on the limb, even though I've not seen the the footage that you're referring to, but I will go out on a limb and say you should not hate how your younger self looks because. <laughs> oh no, I met a... my
2: my my older self doing the interviews. That's what. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Either way, I was
0: gonna say, I'm like, your younger self, your, your, your physique was amazing. Oh, no, no, no. And you shouldn't hate how your current self looks either. Because I had this epiphany the other day where, not the other day, but like I've had this epiphany this past year where I was like, I had seen a picture of myself in my 20s. And I was like, oh, look at how cute and young I am in my 20s. I was like, I did not appreciate how beautiful a person physically I was back in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God. In 20 years, I'm going to look back at myself in my 40s and think the same exact thing. And so I've been trying every day to appreciate my 40-something body and (laughs) 40-something self and be like, you know what, Stefan? When you're 65 – You're going to be like, I wish I was 45 again. So that's, think about that, Sebastian. Don't, don't, don't
2: poo poo your current self
1: because love the skin you're in, guys. Totally. No, I I love
2: the skin I'm in now, but that was like a couple of years ago. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of growth has happened since then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We all all go through that. But thanks again, (laughs) Sebastian, for
0: sharing.
2: My pleasure. Yes. Tell us where we can
0: find you on social.
2: I'm on Instagram at. Lacaz, I Lacaz, I am shoot Lacaz underscore I am yeah, Lacaz underscore I am um and then like Facebook YouTube. I guess youtube Sebastian lacaz, like um youtube Flash, forward slash user yeah. forward slash Sebastian lacaz or whatever. Or just you can just search Google Sebastian Lacaz. yeah, that will come up in YouTube and um Twitter uh, being underscore lacaz great.
1: Well, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in yet again. We love putting these episodes together for you guys. And as the year wraps up, we're coming up with some more exciting stuff for you guys. So stay tuned. Yeah. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't turn, don't turn us off. But you can find us on Instagram at MLBC podcast on the web, mlbcpodcast.com. podcast.com. And um, yeah, just, look for us on anywhere that podcasts are available and we'll see you guys next time.
2: Thanks again, Sebastian. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.